Our Market Dominance guys, Chris Beal and Corey Frank, open this episode with a look back. This is from August of 2020, when they were talking about the impact of work from home. It ties perfectly to the next part of this episode, where they conclude their conversation with James Thornburg. Tune in and listen to both parts. Welcome to Connect and Sell's Sales Domination Channel. This is thought leadership that will leave you shaking inside. No matter where you're selling, using Chris Beal's tips will enable you to dominate your market. Be sure to like this episode and subscribe to our channel. Let's get going with Chris Beal, CEO of Connect and Sell. Welcome to another episode of the Market Dominance Guys with Corey Frank and the Sage of Sales, Chris Beal with all things market dominant. I'd be curious to see from a CEO perspective, because a lot of us, right, we've talked certainly several times now about the change in organizations when they're moving remotely and the role in sales where I have to be around your, as you say, my three pound brain has to be around in a vicinity of somebody else with a three pound brain and particularly in sales with the collaboration and the energy and the, the activity tracking. But I'm curious, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to explore what that does to the CEO as well when his whole entire organization is virtual now, right? You're used to it certainly at Connected Cell. You've got a head, you guys have had a head start, but for a lot of CEOs, right? They're used to having the security blanket of a staff around them to kind of go from meeting to meeting to meeting, to have this echo chamber, as we called it, right, of feedback flowing up. And now I wonder if uh, CEOs actually have more time on their hands. And so there's even less of an excuse not to make these type of discovery calls or customer calls to kind of fill those gaps. Well, they certainly have more time that they're not traveling. And I can speak as maybe I traveled an unusual amount, but I don't think so. I was on the road in business 108 days last year. So that's a lot of time. Now, you could say it's productive, time to read, time to talk to people. I met random people here and there, and you know, not a small number of deals get made. I have a certain propensity for picking up deals in bars, so to speak. But still, that's a lot of time. Think of each trip. There's the half an hour to an hour to get to the airport. There's an hour and a half to go through all the junk at the airport. There's the occasional missed flight. There's the four hours plus to get to the other end. There's the Uber, there's this, there's that. Yeah, that's all waste. That's all pure waste. So that time has been freed up. By the way, that money's freed up too. So in our company, $40,000 a month of travel is freed up. $40,000 a month, a lot of money to find. You know, Talk about change found in the couch cushions. Oh, look, there's 40 grand. I wonder if we could do something with it. Well, you know, yeah, let's put it away for a few minutes and then think about that attack. Right, right, right. right. So the time is certainly there. And yes, I think one of the things is there's an egalitarianism of a good kind that shows up in these Zoom meetings. Zoom flattens the meeting. The meeting's no longer in my office. One thing I always hated when I moved, so to speak, up, I never could figure out why they call it up, in organizations is get the big office. And I hated the big office. I've always hated the big office. I remember I had a big office at a big, big-ish company I worked at, not big by anybody's standards. I think, you know, a, a company had been a billion dollar a year company that had kind of moved into being sort of a 
under secular pressure from the internet of $350 million a year company, I was hired as the head of innovation. They gave me this big, big office, big corner office on the eighth floor overlooking, I don't know what, like a cornfield or something. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I went in there six times during the year I worked there. Hmm. And one of them was on the very last day when we sat around drinking some, some uh, Chinese whiskey because I had all Chinese team, most wonderful team I've ever had in my life. And they were very kind. And so that was one time. So five times to do anything else, but I refused to hold a meeting in there because why do I want to encourage people to lie to me? You know, and that's a terrible thing. The hardest thing to get is the truth. And you might get it at lunch. You might get it at somebody else's desk, but you're not going to get it on your own turf in that big office. Mm -hmm. So now nobody has the big office anymore. So maybe there's a little more truth flowing around. Uh, there is also who who talks. You want your introverts to dominate the conversation over time. They're the most oh. thoughtful people in your company. Ah, okay. They're also your best salespeople. So your introverts actually didn't like it in the rah-rah sales floor that you were running. So your best salespeople tend to be introverts. Your best salespeople really cringe at all that banging of the gong and high-fiving and all that stuff. They'll go along with it, but, you know, they have to go relax and they kind of get a rest afterwards because that stuff hurts when you're an introvert. It really <laughs> does. It's like, oh, man, do I have to do mm -hmm. that. And yet introverts tend to make the very best salespeople. And on your staff, they tend to have the most thoughtful observations. After all, they have thinking time. They're introverts, right? Yes. Yes. They get their energy from kind of inside, from what's going on inside. So I think that flattening, I'll call it the Zoom flattening that's occurred, is, is a good thing in that everybody tends to get to speak. They're all in the same office, right? It's also in each person's home, which has got an interesting intimacy. Some folks complain, oh, the kids walk behind. You know, I had to take a moment. But that's the good stuff. That's the human stuff. That's where we soften up with regard to each other sufficiently to maybe tell our own little truth or to listen to somebody a little bit differently because until we're empathetic we're not much and it's hard not to be empathetic with somebody who's got the same problems that you have the problems of home in the big office i don't have any problems you come into my office we hold a staff meeting you sit there you sit there you sit there the pecking order is established by all of that we go in a certain order the important stuff is first, the dog meat stuff is at the end, and if we run out of time, you don't get to talk. Whoever you happen to be, you want an important person, probably the introvert, who had the most valuable thing to say. That's right. So I think we've gotten a lot of good, not just in the raw productivity that Protoscore is, is measuring and that Microsoft is measuring in, in uh, Microsoft Workplace Analytics. They measure definite productivity increase and meaningful activity from work from home. That's at the individual level. Nobody's come up yet and measured what's happening at the sociocultural level with regard to what I'll call the, the Zoom egalitarianism or the Zoom flattening. I am going to make a prediction that when somebody does this work, they're going to find out that introverts are making a bigger contribution than they used to and a bigger contribution than the extroverts.
Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. You may have heard the term post-pandemic bandied about in recent months, but there's nothing post about the COVID pandemic yet. We're still in the thick of it. It's not all downslide, though, as James Thornburg, enterprise IT strategist at Bridgepoint Technologies, and our market dominance guys Chris Beal and Corey Frank will tell you. In their third conversation together, they talk about the upside of the pandemic as it concerns sales, because what is post for most salespeople is that bone-wearying business air travel, and the time waste of business lunches, and the tedium and expense of that daily commute to and from the company office, or to and from the offices of business prospects. The combination of cold calling by phone and discovery meetings by Zoom have made a new and successful world for salespeople, one that doesn't require leaving home. Yes, you've heard of attempts to return sales to the pre-pandemic days, but as Chris predicts in this episode of Market Dominance, guys, there is no going back. My big question is, when are these chickens going to start to lay again? Bothering me. Every night I go to bed thinking, what's with Thornburg's hands? (laughs) No, it's tough. It really is. It is. This is the hard part about agriculture. (laughs) I still have a bunch of meat in the freezer, so that's that's holding us. uh, I saw bacon and whatnot. So that's good. Well, Helen and I were talking about pigs last night because I once had a a piece of software that the Hormel guys used to do a reverse bill of materials on a pig. Bills of materials normally used to bring things together and manufacture them. But we had this software that was so flexible, you could run the bill of materials upside down and you could take pig and you could manufacture parts out of the pig. And I'll never forget going to the Hormel plant and saying, so how does this really work? And they said, well, comprehensively. I said, what does that mean? They said, well, everything but the squeal. Oh, (laughs) I said, okay, everything but the squeal. That's good. So I I told that to Helen last night and she moved to the other side of the bed. And she's now a vegan. (laughs) She just got farther away. It's like, you want to say stuff like everything but the squeal, you know, it's, it's okay, but I'm going to have a moment here. So, James, what kind of spread do you have over there? I have 23 acres. 23 acres, and then what kind of animals? And we put a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it's pasture, so it was an old horse farm. It was a pretty big deal back in the day that the estate was. They had a lot of Arabians, and then they would have shows. And if you come to the property, we have... It used to be the announcer's booth. It looks like a, almost like a lookout, basically a little kid's fort or something. The kids use it as a fort now, but the announcer used to be up in there. And then when they would bring out the horses, there was a big corral and everything. So it was a pretty big deal back in the day with the Arabians. And so I have a lot of horse pasture with horse fencing that 50 years ago was was, was probably beautiful. I mean, it would be 150 grand probably to fence this place. It's a little rundown. So I've been repairing it. Is there a name of this estate? Do you call it? Uh, Thornborough Farm. Thornborough Farm. Yeah, Thornborough Farm. I went kind of back to my history. You can track, you know, if you're English, if you have English heritage, you can track your family back pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to 
track my family all the way back into the 1300s. And I grew up with not a lot of money. And it was always kind of a funny thing in the family on my dad's side, where some of the people in the family, it's a lot of people are estranged from one another, but they said that you know, we were royalty, that Thornburg came from royalty. And there's some truth to that. They were Knights of the Shire. So when the Reformation happened and everything, they were Catholics and they basically, they all ended up <laughs> converting and becoming Quakers. Basically, they took all their land. So traditionally, my family is Thornborough. And then when they came to the US, they changed it to Thornburg with an H at the end. And then some took it with just the G. Interesting. So, yeah. So truly, you are derived from royalties. You are, in essence, the, the king once removed. Exactly. Of, of, of cool calling. I love that. And, and raising chickens can be a royal pain. I've done it. So it's royalty all the way around. <laughs> yes, I enjoy it. I'm getting more into the kind of the butchering side and getting into that. And, and we'll see kind of where that leads me. And what's the biggest city closest to you? What's that? What's the biggest city closest to you? Our biggest city would be Kalamazoo. I'm in between Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids. Okay. Kalamazoo is probably only, it might be 70,000, I think. And then Grand Rapids is probably maybe half a million, somewhere around there. So I was working for Single Path. I wanted to get out of Chicago. They said, go ahead. And I was a little bit concerned because I'm, there's not a lot of businesses around here. And up until the pandemic, some people were adverse to doing business with somebody that wasn't local. That completely changed with the pandemic. So it fell into exactly what I was doing, which is just on the phones. And so it's amazing to me how much I can get done with making the dials in the morning and then running all of these meetings wow. uh, in the afternoon. If I even had any, that the thought of even going to a meeting now is so unproductive to me, the thought of it. It is, isn't it? It's like folks ask me to lunch all the time. And right, Chris, you can attest to this. People have no idea how expensive it is to go to lunch, to ask somebody now, Hey, virtually fine, but to ask somebody to go to lunch, it's not like it was in the days. It's just, you don't have time for that. It's the meat of the day. You think about the flow state that's interrupted. You think about the, uh, the non-productive time there back, the small talk for first 15, 20 minutes, all that stuff that just gets in the way, the distractions. And I wonder if that's changed even more so since the pandemic, right? What oh, you- I think it's massive. And as a mess, I mean, it's that's a great story, James. We got to edit that one into into a little thing. We did a whole episode back in when was it? April of 2020 on the death of the commute and the injection of what I still think is about a trillion dollars a year into the economy in terms of the time, the time and flexibility. Like you're doing your business, James, in a way that would have been possible but somewhat challenging before the pandemic, and then now. It's in the absolute mainstream that this is how we do business. And people who think we're going back, they all flunked math. Yeah, it's huge. I don't have it in front of me, but I think I've closed deals in like 20 different states since I started. Never would have happened before. Yeah. I haven't traveled on business since March. Uh, Well, we went to one conference. So Helen and I went to a conference in, in Texas and spoke and got one big opportunity out of it. Really big, huge. And a great friendship. So that was interesting. That's the only business travel I've done since March 12th of 2020. Wow. And we do business all over the world. Personally, closed deals <laughs> kind of everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I don't know when people bitch about Zoom fatigue and all that. I think 
how much did you used to travel? Because <laughs> you want to see some fatigue, go through an airport. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. Oh, look at Mark Hunter. All Mark Hunter's videos were done in the airport. Remember that? Yeah, they are. Yeah. 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 I never traveled. I mean, I, I only traveled to a commute to drive to somebody's business in, in Chicago land in the suburbs. That's it. Yeah. But, but now you reach out to the world, right? And so I was on the road because the nature of every business I've ever done, an average of 107 days a year for most of the past 42 years. And sometimes more than that, I, for four years, it was commuting from Denver area, from Boulder out to the Bay Area every Monday, back every Friday. Did that every week for 52 weeks in a row for four years, right? This is pretty nice to be able to just talk to people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, one to the next room. James, do you do Zoom presentations or do you do phone calls on your Illumination Discovery? I do all Zoom. You do also, so they then have a chance, you cold call them, and then they have a chance to actually see you, talk with you, see the nuances of your nonverbal communication, et cetera. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I run the 30 minute meetings. Typically, it's on Zoom. I always have my video on. They may or may not. It just depends on the individual. Yeah. 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 Um, it's an we- amazing world that we've been pushed into. And I think what we learned is we had the tech to do it for a long time, but we didn't have like the old fax machine problem. It takes two to tango, right? And suddenly it, everybody was two. So it's interesting. And there's all this talk about going back. There is no going back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's like saying, well, let's go back and ride horses instead of cars. It's like, sounds good. I like horses. It just ain't going to happen. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to introduce kind of the hybrid yeah. where people are in and out or who needs to be at the office will be at the office. I don't know. We'll see. The math on that is impossible, right? It's just crazy. It's like, in fact, a number of people at a company that I know pretty well, they gave up going back to the office. They were kind of doing it in a hybrid fashion, but it's like, I don't know who's going to be there. Yeah. So if I don't know who's going to be there, and then that's like, well, you got to be there when I'm going to be there. And then somebody will change their plans because they're used to the flexibility. It's like, oh, you stood me up. I stood you guys up today. For 30 minutes, and all I had to do was commute from that room over there into this room. And I didn't even stop for the traditional bottle of McAllen so I could actually be calm enough to have this event here. Are you, let me ask you guys this question. Are, are we good on the podcast? Did it turn out all right? I felt bad because I, uh, I, no, I got was, distracted when Corey was asking me for my words of wisdom. It was better. It was better. That's, that's classic market <laughs> dominance, guys. <laughs> yeah because it just started like you james i would just call chris on the road or when i'm stuck right chris is famous for saying that the best 
business breakthroughs, the only business breakthroughs that are worth a damn are when you are stuck, not where you were in flow. And too often you get too cocky and flow to work in the business, right. Versus on the business. And so we said, let's just put on the zoom and take some notes. And just one thing led to, led to another. And then the pandemic happened and yeah. we shifted. And cause it's interesting. Think about if the pandemic happened five years previous. Okay. How do people communicate? Okay. You have a really crappy version of WebEx, right? Maybe, maybe a couple of download iLink players where you have an agent and it, it's, let's say it was 10 years previous. Uh, that that's really the key. Right. Now five you have years five. before this zoom product existed. I know because I blew it five it years ago. I was sitting there in a room with a Berman and he's showing me this thing by walking into the next room and saying, this works on mobile from in there to here. And by the way, we both turned off our Wi-Fi. And here we are having this meeting, right? And he says, I want you to integrate this into Connect and Sell. Mm. And they were a customer. Zoom was a customer. And I'm, and I'm like, five years ago, we're, we're running in the hard version of second gear. 8,000 RPMs. <laughs> it's not going very fast, but the motor's screaming. No cash, no gas in the tank. I'm trying to do deals to make the company go forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm trying to get a deal with them. And my imagination shrunk to the size of a pea pod. And I couldn't figure out, really, I walked out of the meeting going, there has to be some way to do this. I love this product. There's got to be some way to do it. Oh, no, I got to get a deal with the guy. <laughs> How hard would it have been for me to open my mind and go, you know, when you set a meeting and connect and sell, it'd be really cool if it actually defaulted to being in this Zoom thing and sent an invitation out of Zoom to everybody. Well, I would have made us an extra hundred million bucks, but uh, <laughs> totally missed it. So we had the tech, mm-hmm. but we didn't have, and we even had the zeitgeist. I mean, it would have worked, right? Yeah. It would have worked. We wouldn't have had these, these vaccines, no. The mRNA technology was not even remotely yeah, close. It was, so, it was like nowhere close. But, you know, I mean, you had Clint Media 10 years ago, right? I mean, that's the that's the default tool to communicate via via email. But yeah, this is, yeah it's just it's scary. It's really scary to think sobering to think that if if this thing would have happened 10, 15 years ago, what would it would have done to our country? What it would have done to the economy? What it would have done to business, homes, et cetera, right? Without without technology like this, right? Oh, it's, this was hard enough. Yeah. I mean, the fact is we have also self-service. Mobile has been the other big deal because it's not just what we do at our homes. It's the fact that we can get texted with that SOS or the fact that I can run the rest of my business life around my personal life, not just on a computer, but also on a mobile device that really works. Yeah. That it's that combination that's making this work. I think my math was right. I think it's a trillion dollars a year into the economy. You have to look at that. I think we missed a zero or but it was close or something like that. Well, I think, but I think we missed some categories too. Yeah. We were doing a simple cost savings on the commute and time freed up for the individuals. I think we missed the big synergy plays that are going on. And if you want to see where the money went, look at the stock market. Everybody predicted we were going to get a crash. We didn't get a crash. We got the opposite. Yeah. That's and, and that's where the money, that's the value always goes somewhere, right? It went into the stock market and you're watching it. It's like, look at that thing. 
Yeah, and Bitcoin and uh, NFT. (laughs) Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe.